Welcome back to Cause Talk Radio by Rashpixel.fm, the podcast that shows do-gooders, nonprofits, and businesses how to build win-win partnerships that raise money and change the world. This podcast is brought to you by Engage for Good and Selfish Giving. You can find full show notes and additional resources for today's episode at engageforgood.com and selfishgiving.com. Now, on to today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Joe Waters. I want to welcome you to another exciting episode of Cause Talk Radio. On the line with me, of course, is Megan Strand. Hey, Megan. Hello. Megan, we have a great show today because you know what? It's all about you and I. It's all about (laughs) influencers. I don't know if we're influencers, but that is what the show is about. Well, that's what I want to find out. That's what I want to find out. But you know what the amazing thing is, is we don't know if we're influencers, but we definitely have two big influencers on the line with us today. On the line with us to talk about the intersection of cause marketing and influencers is Scott Pansky and Katie Malak. Scott is co-founder of Allison Partners, and Katie is a senior director of research. Hey, Scott. Hey, Katie. How's it going? It's going great, Joe and Megan. Thanks for having us on the show today. We're very excited. No, no problem. Yeah, we're very excited to be here. And, And Scott, I mean, you in particular are a major influencer in the cause field. So this is a big honor for us, big guy. Yeah, it's an honor to be with uh, two other influencers there on the phone uh, with me as well. Uh, it, it's it's great to be here. I've, I've been doing this for 25 years and been following your work, Joe and, and Megan with Cost Marketing Forum and now Engage for Good for a long time. And it's a pleasure to be here. Scott and Katie, let's start with this. Can you explain to us? Well, I'm, I'm interested in why you would do this study, but I, I want to clear up something first. What is an influencer. Are Megan and I influencers or <laughs> do we lack a Kardashian in our name? Do you have to be a Kardashian to be an influencer? You know, no, you don't have to be a Kardashian nor you don't have to be a celebrity. There are obviously numerous people, millions of people that follow celebrities online uh, and in real life. But I think where you're looking at the type of digital influencers that we're talking about, they're individuals or entities that consumers follow digitally and socially, but don't have a personal relationship or interact with them offline. So what that'll mean is, Joe, uh, you are an influencer in the cause space. You may have, I don't know currently how many people follow you Mm -hmm. on Twitter or on on your blog, but let's say just for sake of conversation that you have 10,000 people that are following you. Yep. Those 10,000 people are people who care about the issue of cause and they're coming to you for your expertise and your voice. And then they will share that information with others. And that just kind of carries your numbers and makes them larger and more important as you share valuable information. Scott, I'm going to put that on my business card. Scott Pansky says I'm an influencer. You should. What do you think about that? Don't you think I should do that, Megan? Definitely. It's you can an influencer too. recommending an influencer. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things we should mention to our audience too. No, but but, but it's true. It's definitely true. Sorry, because Joe, you, I'm going to just tag in there. Because you know why, Scott? You say it's true. That's what that's what makes it true. Now, Scott, this was whole this was all part of a report you did. How influence, empathy, and engagement have transformed cause in the digital era. Why did you decide to decide to do this report? Well, what we're seeing now is that uh, traditional advertising and marketing is changing. It's evolving. Uh, that you're having advertisers who have been pushing messages to consumers for years. 
And what we're seeing at Allison Partners now is it's no longer about uh, the end consumer wanting to be pushed to. It's more about the consumer pulling information from resources that they trust and respect. And so that when you're looking at an influencer, if I really care about cause or let's say I care about the arts or I care about health issues, that I'm going to look for somebody who's a specialist in that area. And I may follow them to look at trends and information. So when you look at that specifically to the cause space, if I'm a nonprofit and that I am want to spread the will, uh, goodwill that we are trying to raise funds for our cause or I'm trying to raise uh, awareness to an issue that we're trying to promote, that I'm going to find an influencer that somehow has touched that cause or that issue and help extend the reach of what we're doing in a very authentic way because we've seen through the research that uh, you will have the end consumer will follow people that they trust and influencers that they follow. Katie, I wonder if you could give us some of the high points of the study, maybe your personal favorites, things that stood out to you from the study that surprised you or in some other way stood out to you. Absolutely. And I think the thing that was most exciting for me and Scott when we got the results back was to see that there's a really distinct overlap between the group of people who care about cause and are willing to engage with nonprofits um, and the people who follow digital influencers. So when we looked, we saw that, you know, 30% of the people who follow digital influencers say that a brand's charitable partnerships are extremely important to them compared to only 9% of people who don't follow digital influencers. And we see this come to life in really actionable ways, too. So we saw that 43% of the folks who follow digital influencers have actually engaged with a nonprofit by making a donation or volunteering compared to just 26% of those who don't. So what this told us is that influencers can really move the needle for nonprofits and can really drive consumers to take actions, which was really exciting. Hmm. So why do you guys, why do you think that is? And maybe this is a question for Scott. Why do you think it is that people who follow influencers seem to be more prone to want to help good causes or be engaged with good causes? Well, to me, it, it goes back to what I mentioned earlier in regards to trust. And that as I follow an influencer, that I hear what he or she is thinking and saying. And if they've been authentically touched by a cause or an issue, there's that need to want to help. So I'll give you an example of uh, Cookies for Kids Cancer. Uh, You had their founder, Gretchen Witt, put out a video uh, that uh, just was her trying to help save her son's life. And it tells a story about pediatric cancer research and the funds that were and were not going in. And there were images of her and wanting to make a difference and where she made 400,000 cookies and raised $96,000 to start her charity. And all of a sudden, you get caught in her story. The Ice Bucket Challenge, uh, Anthony Carbajal, Mm. uh, who did a video during the Ice Bucket Challenge, he, uh, his video was seen 20 million times. It was picked up. It was a natural video that he put on YouTube. Upworthy grabbed it, pushed it out there, seen 20 million times. His video could be traced to raising $4 million for the ALS Therapy Development Institute. Wow. Originally, they were going to do a um, uh, precision medicine program where they hoped to get 20 patients into the program. Thanks to that one video, they were able to get 
300 people into that precision medicine program. Just an incredible story. But it was Anthony's emotional appeal. Mm. He shares a story about his mother having ALS, his grandmother having ALS, and he had just been diagnosed with ALS. So he actually kind of became a champion for the cause and then had numerous, numerous people following him post that program. You know, Scott and Katie, that's kind of interesting, too, because it's interesting how influence can work, too, because you can't it's almost it's like credibility. You can have inherent credibility so that people, you know, despite, you know, whatever you say, people are going to believe you because they know that you're a credible person, that you're an influencer. But I think what you're also saying, Scott, is like his message as it was communicated through the web and hit person after person after person had credibility because of the sincerity and the authenticity and the experience that he was, was sharing with people. So even though people may not have known him, that the, the video made of may have come to them through another influencer, but when they saw it, it had influence with them as well. That's a great point, Joe. And that was one of the things we looked at with our study are what are those variables or those factors that go into making an influencer's recommendation about a cause or nonprofit, something that a consumer is willing to trust. And what we found was about 60% are extremely um, positively impacted in someone who has personally been impacted by that cause or has that personal story. Um, but we, what we also saw was if you're, if you don't have that influencer who has that direct connection or that direct impact, if you give them content of individuals who have been directly helped or impacted, they're still able to build that connection. So you're exactly right. As long as you're telling that genuine story of someone being impacted, you're going to connect with consumers. Katie, one of the things I was interested in too is, did you did your study look at all generationally in terms of who had more influence by generation? You know, one of the things I often argue about millennials is that even though they may not make the most donations, they can be very influential uh, with their own generation and other generations in making donations. And I think that's something that needs to be considered. Is that something that you fall you saw it all in your own research? That's a great point. And we've definitely seen from other research that millennials are very influential, particularly with their boomer parents and the causes that their boomer parents will support. In our study, we really looked at followers um, across generations and balanced out so that we had a good view of everyone. And the key difference we found was that even though both boomers, Gen X, and millennials are all following influencers, it tends to be the platform that is different. So for practitioners, it's really important to really tailor your platforms to your audience and understand that if you're trying to reach boomers, Facebook is probably a great bet. But if you're looking for a Gen Zer, it's probably going to be on Instagram or maybe even something like Twitch. I'll add here uh, that YouTube is also a, a phenomenal channel. Uh, that came in the top two of the platforms that we looked at. And that YouTube allows a longer format for people to share their stories and their video content. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, speaking of that, though, Scott, I read recently, too, just how many brands in general, and I'm sure nonprofits will follow in this path, are focusing on long video content, too. Correct, because they can control the content. You know, Coke was one of the first 
companies to really own that and go into that space to create branded content is that it allows you to have more direct interaction with the consumer. And so as you're looking at nonprofits and trying to spread their messages, it's a great place to go. And I'll give you an example. The Ad Council uh, has a program called I Am a Witness, and it's a bullying website. And they partnered with 12 different YouTubers who basically like on uh, the Jimmy Fallon show where they would read bad quotes about themselves on air. In this case, they were reading what social media folks said to them on the air, being the Gen Z to download an emoji to show that they were a witness and they reached millions of people. The campaign received numerous awards, all in efforts just to spread goodwill. But YouTube was a great place to a find the YouTubers that, reach a key target demographic. Mm. So one last example there, uh, that there's a woman named Amanda Steele, uh, who is one of the YouTubers, a young lady, and she read her quote, and somebody had said that they hoped that she would be sterile. It's even hard for me to say that as a father of three girls. And I went back to my daughters and I said, do you know who Amanda Steele is? Oh, yeah, that's Makeup by Mandy. I follow her all the time. And I was thinking, wait a second, okay. So they follow her. It's not a message I want to hear, hmm. but it's a message that they will hear, listen to, and be able to respond to. And that, to me, is where the power of the message is. Hey, Megan, before we move on to our next question, let's recognize today's show sponsor, Catalyst. Catalyst is the industry's only matchmaking platform for companies and causes. Think of them like an online dating app for social good. At Catalyst, you can research companies, their customers, and the types of partnerships that they're looking for. Then you can actually connect with those companies. You can now try it out for free and find out which companies are right for your organization. Email members at gocatalyst.com. Again, members at gocatalyst.com with the code PODCAST17. Again, that's PODCAST17 to try out Catalyst for 14 days for free. Thank you, Catalyst, for sponsoring Cause Talk Radio. I want to talk a little bit about the intersection of brands and influencers and causes because it, it adds a little bit of a different layer to all of this. So did you find anything in the study or do you have real life experience with clients about brands using and leveraging influencers for a cause? Are there are there things that consumers are wary of? Are there things that you have to be careful about when you're doing that? Is there a paid component to influencers? Like, How, how does the brand piece factor into all of this? Sure, absolutely. It's a really good question. And we did test, how does that brand cause partnership differ from that direct interest in a nonprofit or a cause? And what we found is that it really does, again, come back to that idea of a personal story or a personal connection. So when we looked at what factor the consumer is considering when they're deciding how to trust a brand cause partnership, 53% said it was extremely or very important to them to look at messages from individuals who have actually been helped um, from the corporation who's touching that cause mm-hmm. and how they've been helped. And then the other interesting thing was that word of mouth, so hearing it directly from their friends, family, or coworkers, mm. was the second highest variable that people wanted to look at. And one thing we know about influencers is that their ability to uh, create word of mouth is actually much higher offline than online. So, for example, with Scott, 
seeing that powerful influencer story and then talking to his daughters about it. That's a great example of someone seeing influencer content and then talking to the people they care about and really getting that offline extension of that online content. I'll bring it to life with a brand uh, for you. For example, Walmart. Uh, Walmart works with Feeding America and had the Fight Hunger Spark Change campaign. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know the cost of what they paid for their influencers, but they worked with six very high-profile influencers, uh, ranging from Sydney LaRue, who uh, Dwyer, who's a soccer player on the women's uh, uh, World Cup team, to Ryan Sheckler, who's a professional skateboarder, to Logan Paul, who's a huge YouTube star. And they reached out to them and said, look, if you will post our campaign onto your site, we will donate 90 cents for every post that gets liked. And that they hoped to raise $1.5 million over 30 days, and they did it in less than two. No, and why do you think that was successful for those particular influencers to partner with Walmart? Like their their constituents weren't like, oh, why are you partnering with Walmart? You know, like how did they how did they know those are the right people? Yeah, I'm sure that they have a a system on how they rate uh, their influencers. Allison and Partners has a scoring mechanism to do that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's not just about the reach, but it's also about content who those followers are. So you figure each of these folks has more than a million followers that are online. And it's not about telling them what content to post. It's like, here we want to mention our program and how important that uh, Fight Hunger Spark Change is. Mm -hmm. But it's do it your way that best reaches your target audience so that the influencer is still providing an authentic message supporting that campaign. You know what, uh, Megan, you know what's a good example of that is? Remember when we had Scott Welch on from Columbia? I was just going to say that. (laughs) And, you know, um, Katie and Scott, we had uh, Scott Welch on from Columbia Sportswear, and they did a partnership with REI and the National Park Foundation uh, called Find Your Park. And what they basically did, and they did this multiple years, and I think they're still doing it too, where they took a group of millennial influencers out into the forest to experience the national parks and, you know, to do all those things because national park rangers have a saying that there are two types of people in the national parks, uh, newlyweds and nearly deads. And we need to get more young people, (laughs) uh, you know, out into uh, America's parks. And so they really brought this up. And I think their first year, Megan, if I remember correctly, they got like 60 million media mentions after that first round of millennial influences went in the forest. I predicted that I predicted that they would all die, Katie and Scott. Okay, that millennials (laughs) would never survive out in the national parks, but they did. And then the next year, I think they brought a diverse group of bloggers and vloggers and podcasters out and did the same thing. And it was equally successful. Because they are uh, basically going through an experiential opportunity. You know, it's, you talk about camping. We have Campgrounds of America as a client, and mm. that they'll host uh, media and bloggers to visit their various campsites so that they can see how the experience has changed and grown. You know, there's glamping now where there's mm. these deluxe cabins that people can stay in that has air conditioning and cable. And all of a sudden, like, wow, camping has changed. You can still go outside and roast marshmallows. Mm-hmm. But now you've got uh, people who are influencers now talking to their audiences, talking about this cool, authentic experience that they had. And I think that's one other thing that 
the brands and nonprofits who are on the phone need to be sensitive to is that the FTC has come out with rules and regulations that they should be following and that I would support is that if you're going to utilize an influencer, that they should actually identify whether or not they're being sponsored or being paid for or got a trip mm-hmm. for free or something of that so that, again, it stays an authentic message. Yeah, because in, in essence, Scott and, and Katie, it's paid content. It can become that, exactly. Yeah, yeah. so just as when we're reading an article in a publication and we need to know that that is a form of uh, sponsored content, those influencers need to acknowledge that. So I think that's a really important point, Scott, because you know, uh, nonprofits especially are busy people and we want to play by the rules, but we have to know the rules first. So it's important for us to, to see those on the FTC site. Well, and the brands would have to be careful of that and, too, I would imagine. Yes, Correct. I'd say more of, of even the brands than the nonprofits because the nonprofits should be utilizing very authentic spokespeople. So it could be a mother or father whose child has been touched by cancer. It can be a young person who's a survivor of, of cancer or a disability of some sort. And that you really don't want to pay those folks because mm. those folks are really your authentic spokespeople and getting your message out there. You may recall uh, recently that Jimmy Kimmel, uh, went on the air and he talked about his son, Billy, who had uh, a heart issue. He was at, uh, I want to say, Cedar sinai Hospital when he was born. And then the nurse recognized that there was a murmur in his heart, and they took him immediately to Children's Hospital. Uh, his son had surgery and survived. Well, a week later, you know, Jimmy goes on television, and he says, look, I want to share a story with everybody. And he got emotional, and he started crying and telling the story. And then thousands of people made donations to Children's Hospital. Uh, You had Shopkins, who he made a story about how his newborn uh, child had gotten his older sister, Shopkins doll, and Shopkins donated $500,000 to Children's Hospital. So this wasn't Jimmy Kimmel being paid. In this case, Jimmy Kimmel actually was an authentic spokesperson because he was touched by an issue. And, you know, uh, Scott, that kind of even brings up a point, too, of an article that I wrote a little while back for HuffPost talking about Tom Brady's relationship with Best Buddies. And he's been a longtime supporter of that campaign. But it's also been discovered that Tom has also gotten about $3 million back into his own foundation from uh, from Best Buddies through the years. So there were questions around that of whether or not his support for the charity was indeed authentic. Interesting. I didn't hear that one. Yeah, I'll share it in the show notes so people can take a look at it. But, you know, the the influence, especially paid influences, Scott, it brings up a a lot of questions for people. But I think your point in that those, especially in the nonprofit world, when people are working with you, you want to make sure that those are authentic people who are supporting your cause for the right reason. Correct. And that when you look at that influencer... It could be a survivor, a family member, but it could be a doctor. It could be a referral source. It can be anything that is authentic and telling their story Mm. uh, in a way that resonates with their audience. And again, an influencer could maybe have only 100 followers, but they're 100 significant followers. They may have 50,000 followers. And those are the followers that you're trying to target. If you look at it from a media relations standpoint, it's kind of like the old days where we would target a press release and hope to get into just women's publications or get into fitness publications. Mm. It would very target where you would send a release. Now in how you would work with an influencer, it can become very targeted 
to reach an audience that will either help you raise funds or raise brand awareness. And again, to our study uh, that we're showing that people who follow those influencers will volunteer and will make donations. I want to give a little plug here because we are pretty much at the end of the show and we've only just begun to scratch the surface of the conversation of of influencers and brands and causes. But Scott and Katie are going to be doing a webinar for Engage for Good on August 29th where they will spend an hour talking about the study and all of this fantastic stuff. So it's a free webinar. Thank you, Allison and partners. So please do check it out at Engage for Good. Scott and Katie, maybe you can tell us where people can find this, this study online if they'd like to do that. Absolutely. It's available at allisonpr.com and there'll be a link in the show notes as well. Excellent. Yeah, we will make sure we include that. Joe, where can people find you online if they'd like to do that? Uh, minute to minute, they can find me on Twitter talking to Megan and Allison Partners at Joe Waters. Uh, make sure to visit Selfish Giving, sign up for my email newsletter, get my five-day mini course on cause marketing, and make sure to check out all those pins on Pinterest on cause-related campaigns at Pinterest.com front slash Joe Waters. What about you, Megan? Where can people find you? I am also on Twitter at Megan Strand, and I tweet for Engage for Good at Engage for Good, which is also where you can find today's show notes, engageforgood.com, as well as selfishgiving.com. And while you're online, please make sure to subscribe to Cause Talk Radio in iTunes or Google Play or wherever you get your podcasts so that you do not miss an episode. And on behalf of Scott and Katie and Joe and myself, we'd like to thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Cause Talk Radio, and we'll talk to you next time. 